Now, what would be the odds that that was happening again, that that wasn't a new report? Was that a new report or an old report? That's what I'm asking. Is it a new report or an old report? Is that a new report? Or we don't know. When a seasoned sports fan teams up with a millennial, opinions may vary, but the debates assuredly won't disappoint. Check your sources. It's New Report, Old Report. Here's your hosts, John Lund and Al Renato. Well, Al, another exciting week in athletics. College football is closer to its end. The National Football League, again, nothing circles the wagons quite like it. We have since crowned award winners in Major League Baseball, and the NBA has drawn interest in its early going for some of the winners and losers so far as well. Sorry, folks, for the hiatus. A lot going on in the real world. I'm now a married man. Went and did that while you weren't hearing from us, so it's exciting to have a little bit heavier of a finger on the left hand. And now we could get back to talking sports. So you missed some of our baseball chatter because of that. Watching the end of the World Series, the Houston Astros hoisting that piece of metal, as the commissioner would call the trophy, while at the after party for my wedding. So it could have been worse. Could have been a team I actually cared about. But that's what we were doing. That's why we weren't here. But we're glad to be back with you now. Well, folks, you know, he's joined the ranks uh, congratulations to my partner, the great John Tiny Line. Condolences to his beautiful wife, who I, I guess she knows what she's in for, but God, what a nightmare. But uh, so glad and happy for you guys, and that all went well. Uh, he's leaving with his beautiful bride for the honeymoon uh, in a couple weeks, so we'll sneak a couple more shows in. Uh, and then he's off December 1, so we'll miss you that week, but we're here uh, up through Thanksgiving for what should be a very exciting NFL run, college football run. And and heating up the hot stuff. Now that the awards have been presented, Cy Youngs are in the books, MVPs have been decided upon, as have the rookies of the year and the managers of the year. Now it's time to light it up. Let's see who's going where. Free agency trades should be plenty to talk about on the MLB front. Can't wait. Well, just briefly on the MLB, since we did miss talking about it, and of course the awards today with Aaron Judge coming close to a unanimous MVP, your guy Paul Goldschmidt winning the NL MVP, and the no hot surprise. stove is going to be very hot for those gentlemen, uh, at least for Aaron Judge, I should say, with him being a free agent and tons of names already swirling around, and well, teams want to spend money, and it's just never going to end. Same old song and dance probably for a lot of franchises, but... We did have the Houston Astros take down the Philadelphia Phillies in the World Series. Not as many games as people would have liked. I don't want to say convincing fashion, but it was just kind of, well, here's the Astros and here's what they do. Dusty Baker wins his first World Series championship. Finally gets the proverbial monkey off of his back for that. Justin Verlander, he Cy Young winner. Hoist the trophy for himself. Put those demons of never being able to win Finally a game in the World Series, World Series away. Win. Finally yep. gets his World Series win. Cross a lot of boxes off in Houston aside from the we always win the ALCS. Let's put our money where our mouth is and actually win another World Series championship that's not asterisked. And they were able to do that. Unfortunately, in front of a raucous Philly faithful, they win and they keep cementing themselves in the record books, trying to really put themselves into the dynasty conversation. You need some championships to do that. They're trying to do so, but 
we mentioned this before the World Series started where some of our more favorable storylines were in Bryce Harper obviously being such a great player for the Phillies, him having an opportunity to put the chosen one type of mantra that he was given to the test. And Dusty Baker has been around the game for 6,000 years, finally getting able to win his. As much as I hate the Houston Astros, a brief part of me that at least tipped my cap that he was able to get that championship for himself. Everything else I couldn't care less about. But for that, shout out to Dusty Baker and shout out to the Houston Astros. Well, they were the best team. They and the Dodgers were the two best teams in Major League Baseball all year long. The Dodgers fell by the wayside against the Padres. They suffered some injuries to their staff. Uh, they didn't hit, and the Padres got hot. Uh, the Astros just you know, plowed through. Their pitching was tremendous the entire way through. A couple times where they had some you know, blips on the screen where Verlander didn't pitch well. The offense bailed them out, uh, namely game one in the very beginning of the postseason where the big guy went deep and they had the big rally. But after that, it was pretty much their starting pitching. Uh, you know, they rallied whenever they were down. They, they played excellent defense, ran the bases. Their bullpen was lights out throughout. Bullpen was terrific in this World Series. Starting pitching was solid, uh, You know, especially the two guys, the righty and the lefty. Your friend Valdez was terrific for his two. And uh, the young shortstop, you know, Correa leaves in free agency. You know, Pena comes in and, and they simply don't miss a beat. And he is the MVP of the ALCS and the World Series. Uh, their bullpen is lights out. Dusty, to his credit, makes all the right moves, goes to his bullpen at exactly the right time, knows when to get guys out, knows when to leave them in. And, you know, the Phillies offense, no hit for in a, in a group, no hitter. Uh, after you know, winning game three in large fashion, the Astros pitching, 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 pitching. It was deep. Uh, it was mostly right-handed, uh, certainly out of the bullpen. Uh, but, you know, Valdez, the one lefty uh, from the starting rotation. But they really, the back two-thirds of the series after the first couple games, you know, completely shut down, uh, you know, the Phillies offense. And it was, you know, a great effort. They were clearly the better team. And I was very happy to see Dusty finally get his ring. As I've said many times, I saw him come up many, 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 many moons ago in the late 60s in the International League when he was playing for the Richmond Braves against my Rochester Red Wings and, you know, playing with the likes of Daryl Evans, longtime major leaguer, uh, you know, for those Richmond Braves, Ralph the Roadrunner Gar and others. And you follow him throughout his major league career, first with the Braves, then, of course, the terrific career with the Dodgers, World Series, World Series title. And then all these years as a manager, and he's finally, finally got the brass ring after you know, it looked like he may not ever get there. Uh, this year, had one of the two best teams, uh, turned out to be the best team. And he signed on for another year. Very happy for him because, as I've said many times, Dusty Baker is – there are just some guys that have got it. Uh, some guys are cool. Doesn't matter how old they are. Dusty Baker could be 90 years old, wristbands, toothpick in, his, toothpick in his mouth. He'll still be the coolest guy in the room. So very happy to see it. You know, it cements, if there was any doubt before, his status as a Hall of Fame manager. Absolutely, positively, no doubt. Agreed. And, again, that's the best silver lining to take from it. You are right. They were the best team in baseball. That's not always the case, as we know from being baseball fans, where the best team ends up winning. It's not easy to get through that gauntlet, especially now with how many series there are to get through. But they did it. And now 
you see who they end up bringing back for next season from this season as you mentioned the holes that they had were filled in two seconds and the bullpen did its job in historic fashion now you have justin verlander saying maybe he'll want to leave well okay go ahead we'll just bring somebody else in no problem we don't need you and your terrible postseason ass have a good one you lucked out for us and you got a couple wins we'll just find somebody else to fill that void so the Houston Astros are here to stay, and that's no shock. That's been the case for and he probably four or five years. will. He probably will leave because he is looking for, and why not? In terms of the money, he should be looking for. You know, uh, Scherzer is making over forty million a year. Degrom's looking for over forty million a year. Yes, he's older than both of them, but he's better than both of them. He had a better year than both of them, and he was healthy. You know, after he's fully recovered from the Tommy John. If, if there was a single Cy Young award, as there used to be many years ago for the entire major leagues, it would be his. He was at, with all due respect to Sandy Alcantara, who won it for the National League, and had a terrific year. But Justin Verlander, 39 years old, had far and away the greatest year of any starting pitcher in the big leagues. And I don't know if he's going to get 40, but I'm sure he's going to get very close to it, whether it's, you know, two and 80. Or, uh, you know, three and, and uh, you know, somebody gives him three years, you know, uh, 320. I don't know if somebody give him three years. I'd love it if the Cardinals are good at 290 because he's just what the Cardinals need or, or 280. But he's going to get close to $40 million a year. I don't know if he's going to get three years at 39 years old, but he's going to get pretty close to Scherzer money because he's proven he's still on top of his game. He's healthy. Look, nobody pitches 300 innings anymore. You know, guys don't even go 250 anymore. But, and I'm sure he's going to go to a winning team because obviously, you know, he's been had winning uh, in his genre for a very long time now since he's been part of the Astros and left the Tigers. It's nothing but winning. So I can't see him going to the Giants and, you know, try and get back to the postseason versus going to a team that is a perennial postseason team, whether it's the Yankees, whether it's the Dodgers, Back to the Astros, which I don't think, but uh, I, I'm maybe the Mets. I think one of those three teams you know, are the lead teams, biggest payrolls, uh, all in the postseason. So I think those are the three most likely destinations. I don't see Houston paying him forty million dollars a year. No, I don't think so either. Just because they'll look around and say, "Why should we? Look what we've done, being able to just fill the voids that we've had. Why are we going to throw money away at a potential risk?" I mean, well, he was a risk to begin is, with. The rotation is six deep without him. Yeah, exactly. They're fine. He was a risk to begin with coming off Tommy John. You know, the Yankees were looking at him and thinking, oh, we're not sure how he's going to be because of that injury, and they passed. Well, how, how great of a decision was that? Getting a little older, as, of course, we mentioned. Coming off a year after the Tommy John surgery, it's father time, blah, blah, blah. He's going to find a home, no question about it. And he still had stuff this year. You weren't watching him going, oh, boy, he doesn't have it. He'd still pitch incredible games. Why not take another flyer on it? We'll you're see. not even taking a you're not even taking a flyer. You're adding an ace. Yeah, right. Here's what you're gonna get. Put him at and put him at your third st- starter if you even want to. If you want to be that bold, great. You have the best third starter in the league. Now let's 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 shift to your club Ugh. and the elephant in the room. I want to know number one. Does he resign with the Yankees? And number two, I want the number. I want the number, no matter where it is. 
but is it going to be with the Yankees? That's the million dollar question. Million being the uh, joking word. What would he make a million like every two weeks, whatever the math would be? <laughs> million would get a long way for Aaron Judge come this contract because some of the numbers coming out are historic. I think you start at 300 million, you you probably put it at 325. You match what like Gary he's he's got to at least match what Garrett Cole is making with the Yankees if that's the case. I supposedly have heard they've been offering some deals and hoping that they could swing him through and hell Steinbrenner I don't know if he heard the booze when he came out a couple times at Yankee Stadium to do different things, but he apparently said money's not no object, and we fully believe we'll be able to match whatever Aaron Judge wants. Remember, it was 213, I believe, for seven years that he rejected was their original offer when spring training was going along, and he turned it down, and he's apparently looking for 9 or 10 at 36, somewhere around that ballpark. So you're getting into thinking of, okay, how have long-term contracts fared for the Yankees? They got the Alex Rodriguez second one, his second contract, which was the biggest in MLB history at the time, but they didn't have to pay all of it. They were on the hook for the last one, which was, what, 300-something million? (laughs) And obviously, toward the end of his career, that's the risk that you take because the numbers weren't as strong as they were at the peak of them. Giancarlo Stanton, the big contract. They obviously didn't have to pay all of that, but they're it's on the books now, and he's going to play for several more seasons, and you run in that risk of several. 37, 38, 39, and you're not a pitcher, and you're subjected to potentially just being a DH because you can't play the field anymore. The risks we know are massive for these long 10-year, 12-year crazy deals in Major League Baseball where you just sometimes hope, like, why don't you just sign this guy for, like, three seasons, and then we'll see where we're at type deal. But that's not how it works in baseball. you got to sign for a decade, it seems, to get these guys to come back. For Aaron Judge, as a Yankees fan, you almost want to just throw all your chips on the table and say, he's a guy you have to come back, forget about the price. And you think, it's not my money. I'm not paying it. It's the Steinbrenner's money. So whatever he wants to come back, have at it. Now, what that's going to mean for his numbers, and if he could keep you know, half of this season up, you're obviously not expecting some dude to hit 62 home runs every year or 58 at that or whatever. But just to be a productive right fielder, to be the face of your franchise still, to be named captain if you come back. I mean, there's moments from this season where he did things that you said to yourself, you got to bring that guy back for whatever he wants, make him captain, and just ride out the rest of his career into the sunset. Whatever happens, happens. I don't know if they're going to do that, to be honest with you. I, I don't think our world is anywhere close to that where you'd grow up idolizing your players, your favorite players, and thinking they're going to spend the rest of their career with my team. Why else would they leave? They're beloved here. They love it here. They're never going to go anywhere. And we know that's not the case. I mean, you saw it. It's not your favorite player because you weren't watching him growing up, but for a lot of millennials, if you're a Cardinals fan, Albert Pujols was the guy. And then one day, the Angels came with a little bit more money, and he said, All a, lot right. more money. a lot more money. Yes. You're, a you're lot not more. wrong. A lot more money. And he said, okay, see ya. And remember, as much as that broke my heart that he did do that, I had no ill will towards Albert Pujols because uh, there was 
two huge reasons that he, in my mind, made that move. One, obviously, the money. But secondly, as folks may remember, (laughs) there was no universal DH in 2012. And by going to the American League, Albert Pujols would be able to, yes, play first base, but also spend some time at DH to prolong his career. In all probability, had Albert Pujols stayed with the Cardinals or in the National League, and we never know, because it's a totally different set of circumstances, but would he have lasted as long as he did to be able to come back to the Cardinals because he would have had to have played first base? all those years with no DH. Or I should say, would he have lasted that long with the Cardinals or any other team he went to in the National League? So I, I, tr- I believe that when he went, it wasn't just the money. I believe it also involved the, obviously, opportunity to prolong your career because you have the opportunity to play, you know, 30, 40 games a year at designated hitter. And fortunately, he made it back to the Cardinals and had a heroic and legendary and storybook last half of the season and became the fourth player ever uh, to hit 700 home runs. Now, with respect to Judge, uh, the, the intriguing stuff here is, you know, the New York, New York scenario has resulted now in some investigations. Uh, my son and I talked about it. You know, uh, how is it not tampering when supposedly uh, the Steinbrenner family and Steve Cohen say, you know, hands off, we're not going to go after each other. Well, that, that's 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 tampering. Right. That's pretty, if you are going pretty to, obvious if, there. If, if you are going to eliminate one of the biggest markets from the playing field for a free agent, that has a huge impact on their ability to negotiate the best possible contract. You know, whether it's you know a Yankee not going after a you know Yankees not going after the Grom, you know Mets not going after Judge. You're taking a huge player you know, off off the field, and that clearly cannot be the case. So as you know, I have said all along that Aaron Judge has the unique opportunity to become the highest paid player in baseball and now leave town, but do it with another team. And I've always thought all along that the Bobby Axelrod of sports, Steve Cohen, will do whatever it takes to get Aaron Judge. I no longer think that's the case. I do not think that's the case. I think Aaron Judge is going to be one of three places. I think he's going to be a Yankee. I think he's going to be a Dodger. Or I think he's going to be a Giant. And the intriguing part is the Giants, because that obviously is where he's from, that neck of the the area of the country, went to Fresno State. And the Giants have said, we will not be outbid. Which means Aaron Judge is going to have to take, in my mind, if not a little less, somewhat less money to stay in New York. Because I would think the Giants are going to say, you know, well, we're going to have to do better than you know, a dollar more than the Yankees to get them. And the question becomes, what is that number? I think the Yankees are going to have to get to $325 million over uh, nine years, eight to nine years. Uh, eight years would be you know, $40 million and change. I think that's what they'll have to do. I think the, the average AAV will be $40 million a year. And I think the Yankees have to do eight three twenty five to get him. And I don't think that will be the highest bid. I think that'll be close, whether it's three thirty, three thirty five, three forty. I think the Giants will outbid everybody, and that will be up to Aaron Judge if he wants to stay in New York. I don't think they will go as high as the as the, uh, as the Giants. Uh, the thing that really, I'm not gonna say puts a thumb on the scale, but certainly helps the Yankees is the fact that Rizzo stayed. 
The Astros wanted Rizzo. He was number one on their list. What did we see during this postseason? Uh, you know, Kyle Tucker, good young left-handed hitter, but they really needed, and obviously the big guy, you know, hit the bomb to win the series. But they really needed another left-handed bat. They didn't even have one coming off the bench when Brantley went down uh, and was down for obviously. They just the hate lefties all through that organization. There's none in the bullpen. There's none in the lineup. They're not interested. We're still winning and, games. And as a, as a result, you know, you didn't see a left-handed bat ever off the bench for them. Brantley wasn't there. Uh, Alvarez was playing in left field or DHing, and when he was in left field. They virtually had no DH. They were not, you know, whichever triumvirate they used there were virtually automatic, excuse me, automatic outs. So they wanted Rizzo because Gurriel is going to be a free agent and he's 39, I believe. And Rizzo would be a perfect fit there. But Rizzo stays with the Yankees, two years, 40 million. And you've got to believe not only does that help the Yankees in a number of ways, offensively with a left handed bat, defensively, uh, everybody thinks his numbers will go up dramatically with no more shift. Uh, I think he'll be a huge help defensively with no shift. People talk about the offense. You really have to have a good defensive second baseman and first baseman when, when you're not allowed to shift now. You, you can shift, but you can, you can't have that shortstop over there. You can play guys to pull, but that creates a huge gap. Uh, but the point is, that's a huge keeper for them. And he and Judge are supposedly very close. You've got to believe, at least you know, think, that you know they speak, they talk, and you know, if they're buddies, if Rizzo's hell-bent to go back to New York, so be it. But if he's got the Astros on the table, who win all the time, I mean, you, you think maybe he would have at least said, and, and judge, you know, just tell me there's a chance you're going to come back. Because right. so if, if you're going, you know, for sure, then I'm not coming back. But you know, if there's a legit shot that you're coming back, I'll come back. You know, I'll, I'll, I'm, I'm back. And if you stay... So be it. Great. You know, I, I'm not, you know, obviously not going to force anybody to, but you know, at least give me an idea what you think you're going to do. Is there a possibility you're going to stay? If you're absolutely positively going, then I, I'm probably going to go too. But if there's a good chance you're coming back, you're going to let them, you know, be in the mix. That, then I'm going to stay and then play it by or see what happens. So that works well for the Yankees. Um, I, I think it's going to come down to the Yankees and the Giants. Dodgers will be in the mix. But I think it's going to come down to the Yankees and the Giants. Let's take a quick break to pay the bills. He's Al Renato. I'm John Lund. We'll be right back with the new report, old report, here on Sports Radio America. We welcome you back. I'm John Lund. He's Al Renato, and this is the new report, old report. Staying at the team that you grew up with or going back home to play. It's you can make a great storyline for it either way. You know, it's unfortunate, too, that it's not like the NBA is where they try to woo these players, even the NFL for quarterbacks. You go to the the stadium, you go to the locker room, you know, they got your locker filled with your jersey and your shoes. Here's where you'd sit. Here, come down, Hall of Fame row. Here's all our trophies. They wine and dine you. Pat Riley's throwing his rings on the table. Here's what you're missing. Stuff like that. Put a little package together. I don't foresee the Yankees calling Aaron Judge up to Steinbrenner's office or Cashman sitting on the table and saying, listen, man, here's the PowerPoint we put together. We've gotten rid of all these bums that for some reason are still working in our front office doing this analytical shit poorly. They're gone. 
here's our new staff. They're all young and wide-eyed and bushy-tailed, ready to rock and roll. And here's our plan that we're putting in place for you for this season, for next season, and for the next five years. And they got it all up on the screen. Here's our answers. Now, they're not going to do that shit, which is too bad because if I'm Aaron Judge, I'm asking Brian Cashman or Hal Steinbrenner, what the hell are you going to do, man, if I'm going to be here for the next eight, nine, ten years? Because I've been here winning since 2017, and you haven't done shit to help us out. Here's what's went wrong. Here's what went right. Here's where we meet in the middle. Let's try to make this thing happen. It'd be nice if there was that discussion of what's the future going to look like if I come back and not, well, here's the money. Take it or leave it. Because if I'm Aaron Judge, that's number one thing on my mind. What are you going to do about all that's failed for the past several seasons where it's just been wash, rinse, and repeat, and I got to watch fucking Josh Donaldson stepping up to the plate with a runner on in the postseason knowing he's not going to put contact on the ball. Strikeout. I got to watch IKF playing shortstop when he can't fucking field because he's a third baseman. Well, you're not going to see that anymore because they're going to have to make a decision as to whether or not they're going to go after somebody in free agency or they're going to finally give one of these kids a chance to play that they don't want to trade. That they're hanging on to like gold. I'd love to hear that conversation, right, Al? Have a meeting like that where he's able to say, look, what are you bringing to the table? Forget the money. What's the lineup looking like for the next couple years, bros? Because that's what's been the problem. Which will also be something that will have to be discussed in San Francisco because they've they've got a lot of issues, a lot of holes. They have plenty of money to spend, but they have a lot of holes. They have a mediocre farm system. Uh, their starting staff is not that deep. Their bullpen is not that deep, especially their starting staff. A lot of money coming off the payroll. A lot of the veterans going or finishing up. Longoria, they didn't pick up his option. One more year for Crawford. Belt is gone. You know, obviously, Buster Posey long gone. You know, already a year into his retirement. So, who are the pieces around him going to be if he goes to San Francisco with you know that right field that goes on forever? Uh, that only both, gets you so both. far. If you hit it far enough, you can hit it into the water. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, both, who's, both. Who else is hitting it into the water after me? A lot of ground to cover defensively. Yeah. Right? And, a play that wall. It, and a long way to hit it offensively. And playing in that miserable San Francisco weather. Don't give me the San Francisco treat. You know, it's, it's the middle of July and it's 35 degrees. You know, people in turtlenecks and parkas in August. Every time Justin and I watch games out there, we're like, what a shithole. I don't want to hear about the stadium. It's, it's supposed to be summertime, and these people are freezing. What's up with that? So, sorry, San Francisco, but, you know, it's summer. I, I'm not, I don't want to be wearing a park and a scarf when it's August. But that's where he's from. And chance to build something. But remember, you're competing with the Dodgers year in, year out. You're competing with San Diego year in, year out. All of a sudden, San Diego is just a mint. They're a bottomless pit of money. They'll, they'll trade for or sign anybody. And, you know, the Dodgers are the Dodgers. They're going to be in the mix for Judge. They're going to be in the mix for bringing back Trey Turner. They're going to be in the mix for Correa. They're going to be in the mix for Verlander. So, you know, if you go there with what they already have with Mookie Betts and Freddie Freeman, you know, and even though Kershaw is older, back, Arias, obviously, you know, up there on the side, young running, um, they're going to have plan and a loaded farm system. So you know if you go there, you're going to be competing every year, 100 games every year or thereabouts. With the Yankees, still some holes to fill uh, in a division that's very competitive with young talent that you're going against every year in 
Tampa, who no matter what they have or don't have, you always have to battle with. And Toronto, who's getting better. Uh, yeah, it, it look, like I say, it's a tough decision to make. Uh, but if, if I was in his shoes, the type of person I am, it would be, and he really seems like a good guy. If I'm in his shoes, it is a tough decision to make, even if it just came down to the Yankees and the Giants, because you know, it's where I'm from versus where I played. It's the organization that trained me, that drafted me, that weaned me, that's paid me, it's offered me a bundle. I've won there. I just had a year for the ages there versus a chance to go home and build something there for, I'm sure, at least the same and in all probability, maybe a little more money. And now with the universal DH, that's no longer an issue. So does he have to worry about, you know, being able to DH some uh, to get off his feet? So that's now moved. It, it really is going to be an intriguing scenario as to where he winds up going. I agree. And it'll be all over the tabloids, of course, in New York. No question about that. To me, I would love for it to go, I want to come back. I'll take your offer, even though it doesn't match the Giants, as long as it's competitive enough. But let's sit down and figure this out. Let me ask you this. Do you think it, because you know, if it doesn't happen relatively quickly, you know, and I don't mean, you know, before Thanksgiving, but if it doesn't happen certainly by the end of the year, and depending upon how the dominoes fall, because the Yankees have to have a plan B in place. You know, people are talking Judge and Correa. Well, forget about Judge. Let's start with Judge. But what if he doesn't come back? You know, you've got to have another plan. Whether it's one of the shortstops, which would be the likely scenario. But my question to you is, do you think it happens sooner or later in terms of his decision? I mean, knowing the Yankees, it wouldn't shock me if they putzed around and waited too long, as always. And guys start going to other teams and you're thinking, what are you waiting for? I mean, are the Giants going to strike early? If I'm the Giants, I strike early. I think if I had to wager on it, the most interesting thing would be if we heard the Giants offer first. Like somebody leaked because it came out, Brian Cashman said, yeah, we, we made an offer to Aaron Judge. We don't know what that is. I would love for someone from the Giants to be, not only have we made an offer to Aaron Judge, here's what it is. Yankees, what do you got? And then you start getting into the battle, and they kind of get their backs against the wall where they can't wait anymore because everybody knows what the offer is. Well, you know we're going to find out because stuff gets leaked, and you know whether it's Jim Bowden or has it or Ken Rosenthal or, or you know fill in the blank, somebody will have a ballpark on what the offer is based on inside sources or an unnamed source, whatever the case may be. And the question will be, you know, Who's, who makes the offer first? Who strikes first with, with you know, something that is, I don't want to say you know, everything, anything's going to be legitimate, but you know, a number that is number in years that are really going to be something on the table that would be acceptable. You know, I mean, somebody offers in 10 and 300, don't waste your breath, okay? Because <laughs> that ain't doing it. All right, 10, 30 million a year for 10 years ain't doing it. All right. It's going to take 40 million a year. Or, you know, nine and 38, something like that. You're not getting it for 300 million bucks. It's not happening. Unless you want to offer 300 million for, you know, five years 
for six years, 50 million a year. Okay. For six years with an opt out after two years or three years. Uh, but you know, you're not getting them for less than you know, 38, 39, I think 40 million a year on the AAP. So it's going to have to be over. It's going to have to be, I think 325 is again, my, 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 that's my point. That's my number. That's where I think the Yankees have got to go to get them. Yeah. And I'm very curious to see if, if the Giants jump in very early because, you know, their general manager said, we're out there, we're spending, we got a ton of money uh, because they have so much salary coming off the books. They need a lot of things. And they have said they will not be, quote, they will not be outbid for Aaron Judge. And as a Yankees fan, you'd love for it to go where he's at the desk. They push the piece of paper in front of him and his eyebrows raise instead of his eyes roll because the offer was that good. It even blew away what he expected them to give. But we know how the Yankees roll. Pen, pen, pen in hand, smiling. Pen in hand, and he, he doesn't even have to look left or right. He signs it right away. How it's going to go is they're going to slide it in front of him. He's going to slide it right over to his agent. His agent's going to say, we'll be in touch. <laughs> we'll get back. We'll be in touch. We got a couple other offers on the table, and they're just shaking their head and, that's more likely than not how it's going to go, but it'll be a talking point. No question about it. And something to keep an eye on for us. Yankees fans, as we try to not continue doing the same things over and over again, which is the definition of insanity. Let's take a quick break to pay the bills. He's Al Renato. I'm John Lund. We'll be right back with the new report, old report here on sports radio America. We welcome you back. I'm John Lund. He's Al Renato, and this is the new report, old report. To the National Football League, finally for the listeners, excited for such. Headlining things are teams headlining their divisions. The Dolphins, back in the AFC East driver's seat for the first time in a long time. The Ravens, controlling the AFC North. The Titans controlling the AFC South. No shock that the Chiefs control the AFC West. The Eagles finally suffered their first loss, but still control the NFC East, shockingly by just a game behind being the New York Giants. Vikings are still running away with the North. Still can't believe it. It's, it's, some of the these Giants. numbers are shocking. Uh, the Bucks the are just getting by in the South, and the Seahawks with Geno Smith still hold on to the NFC West. Some of these teams that are at the tops of their divisions, you would have believed in a thousand years that this would have been the case through 10 weeks of football. It's crazy. The giant, the giants, the giants. We on this program in our NFL predictions for each division, when we got to the NFC East said, I led the way. Do the giants even merit conversation? And we agreed no. And we moved on. We didn't even give them a sentence other than that. Shame on us, Brian Dable, seven and two, with a quarterback named another quarterback named Brown. Um, you know, they have found ways to win games. You know, that my Ravens gave them one game, but every week they're in games. Their defense plays, they run the ball, and they run the ball, and then they run the ball some more. And the quarterback is hanging on to the ball. And the thing that's impressive about, about Brian Debo is that he built his reputation in Buffalo with what has turned out to be, you know, regardless of him giving the ball away the last few weeks, 
a wonderfully talented quarterback and an offense that just goes up and down the field, built around a brilliantly talented quarterback. Here, he has had to do totally the opposite. He's come in with his first head coaching job with a quarterback who struggled to take care of the ball with, compared to the Buffalo quarterback, a limited skill set. Now, look, he does run a lot. Shockingly, he's a much better athlete than I thought he was. He runs a lot, and he runs successfully a lot. He throws it okay. See a championship quarterback? Of course not. But yet, he's playing really well, and he has this guy manage games, keeps him under control, keeps him from giving the football away, gets the ball to his best player a ton, and the defense is playing well, and they're winning games. They're winning all the games that I don't want to say that they're supposed to win. They're getting winning games they're not supposed to win. And then they're winning the games that they're supposed to win. Are they ever impressive? No. But just the fact that they're doing this is impressive. He has flipped the organization along with the GM. They are now organized. They are now under his guise, under his watch. They are not in a state of chaos. The Giants have been in a state of disarray for years from the front office to the carousel of coaches. Now they got a GM who's running the show and he is doing it you know, on the same pace uh, and in, under, under the same game plan and same approach as the coach. They came in together and they're operating as a unit and their team is operating as a unit. They've got consistency. They are following the marching orders. They are doing the things that win football games without being a really good football team in terms of talent. And if they're playing together, they're getting the best out of all three units. They don't make a lot of mistakes. They take advantage of mistakes. They kick field goals. They score when they're in, you know, in, in the red zone. They get points. They don't give possessions away. And they're finding ways to win these you know, coin toss games. And they're sitting at seven and two. It's mind numbing. The Giants are seven and two. I didn't think they'd win five games. Hats off to him. He's the coach of the year. Not even close. Not even close. It's been crazy. I mean, that whole division in general, where we're sometimes some years begging for teams to get to 500 at the end of the year, they got three teams that could win the division battling for it. As we mentioned earlier, the Eagles only just lost their first game. They've been playing great football. It's been like the NFC East of old talent. Now, the commanders are a little bit far behind, as we know, but even they are five and five. It was the, NFC, the it was the NFC least yeah, last season. They heard they're changing it around. It's it's going to be incredible to see these these last division games as the season gets into that, and we see who's going to come on top. They're going to just battle each other to the end, and if you're a fan, you just hope you don't battle yourself kind of out of it, if that makes sense. And not to be outdone, you know, the Jets have been really, after a slow start, similar. The Robert Sala's got the defense playing very well. They are big and strong on the defensive end, on the defensive uh, defensive line. The quarterback has been very shaky. Uh, he's not been as solid as the Giants quarterback. He's turned it over a lot. They lost their top young running back. But, again, their defense has been carrying them. They're running the ball well. 
Salah has said, you know, we, we, we know who said this stuff about us, all right? Uh, we'll get theirs. And so far, you know, I've always been like, you know, this is coach talk, enough already, you still stink. You know, yeah, you got the receipts, yada, 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 but you blow. And <laughs> they don't. They don't. They are winning the same kind of games. Not pretty, not spectacular, you know, but you beat the Bills. I mean, come on. And it was by no means a work of art. You know, it wasn't Picasso, maybe finger painting, but you beat the Bills. They're the big boy in the division. And now you're tied with them. I believe they're both six and three, correct? You know, with, with guess who? You know, the, the fighting fish, you know, atop the division. Yeah, Mike so, McDaniel, the job that he's done. You know, another guy who looks like, looks like a quarterback. Another guy who looks like he's your science teacher. Looks, you know, looks like he works. For, looks like he works for Apple, and he's, he's roaming the sidelines. And they got the one of the two or three best sets of wide receivers in the league. You know, and Hill and, and Jalen Waddle, who of course has the best touchdown dance in, in all the sports, which it's a Waddle, which is hysterical when he scores. Uh, I told everybody he would be the best of the lot coming out, out of Alabama, and I think he is. And look, they can get it up and down the field. They made a lot of trades at the deadline, both sides of the ball, and picked up the running back, picked up the pass rusher, signed him to an extension. So they're not going anywhere. So both Easts are loaded and strong. And right now looking six deep for the postseason. While you know both Souths stink, the NFC from top to bottom, the AFC uh, from the top down. Both Norths, uh, right now, I don't say one team wonders because you know the Ravens only have a one game lead, and the Bengals are very good. They just have a very, very, very tough schedule. The Wests, neither as you know as good as we thought they were going to be. The NFC West, not nearly as good as we thought it was going to be. And same for the AFC West, because the Raiders stink. Denver has been sorry, very disappointing. Oh, that's that's being kind. <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm being kind. You just got married. There's no need for me to insult you. There's no need for you to rag on your team. But you know, Russell Wilson has been a huge disappointment, as have the Broncos. The Raiders stink. They just invent ways to lose games to anybody. And... Uh, look, I'm, I'm sorry with the Chargers. It's just the same old Chargers. It's the same story all the time. Yeah. Let me invent another way to lose a game with this fabulous quarterback who can throw it all over the field. But you know, they're in, they got a lot of guys hurt, and they're in every game. But you know, no matter what, they'll find a way to lose a game. And you know, the Chiefs remain the Chiefs, bringing in new wide receiver after new wide receiver, and just they come in and catch touchdown passes. Remember who it is. Just bring him in, catch a touchdown pass. Schuster, here's a touchdown pass. Uh, you know, the guy from the Giants, here's a touchdown. You get a touchdown pass. You get a touchdown pass. You get a touchdown pass. So uh, you know, they are the cream of the crop in the West. You know, the NFC, we talked about the East, the South stinks. And you know, right now it's the Vikings and everybody else is awful, including the Packers, who coming off a stunning win against Cowboys. You know, we're in trouble. Last I looked this Thursday night against the Titans. You can give me the score on that. And the, the West has been a huge disappointment as well. You know, the Rams defending champs, they're done. Banged up. Over. History. Can't run the ball. 
the Niners are probably going to win the division, but they're only five and four. Pete Carroll's Seahawks have been the big surprise, uh, but you know, how long is that going to last? And you know, the Cardinals are the Cardinals. Huge disappointment. To update you on our annual, you're lucky enough to not have to subject yourself to these games because you don't have Amazon Prime for the Thursday night football. With a minute 55 left in the fourth quarter, it is 27-17 Tennessee Titans, who just got the ball back after the Packers had a third and long after a sack, threw it to midfield, tried to pull a little draw play on fourth and one to catch the defense sleeping just to get a new set of downs and got stopped at the line. So once again, Aaron Rodgers is going to lose, which will put the Green Bay Packers Four who thought seven. this great momentum had befallen them after they were able to finally put a win together last week will indeed fall to four and seven, while Yikes. the Tennessee Titans improved to seven and three, a stranglehold on the AFC South. This Packers team stinks. And this is a team that yours truly picked to go to the Super Bowl. I picked the Green Bay Packers to go to the Super Bowl from the NFC. Yikes. Why? Because on this show, Al, just a season ago, the red carpet was rolled out, vacuumed, pressed, and pristined for the Green Bay Packers to at least make the Super Bowl. It was all there for the taking, and they couldn't do it. And we thought, well, let's go back to the drawing board. Tom Brady's a year older. These other teams in the NFC, more often than not, teams you could get by. Who are you afraid of? And once again, they're not even close to being able to do it. Shameful from Aaron Rodgers. Should have stayed in the desert, smoking or drinking Aloysia or whatever the fuck that drug is that he was talking about. Get another tattoo, you bum. Now, granted, they could have done more in the offseason in terms of drafting and acquiring talent around him. That has been a huge problem. But, um, you know, and it's, they got off to a decent start, remember. They were 3-1, and 1-6. One. One and six. After a 3-1 and one start, 1-6. One and six. The downfall of the Packers, to me, is absolutely the most shocking thing of the season. More than the Giants, more than the Jets. It's Patrick Mahomes as the the main quarterback, the name, if you will, and everybody else this year. Because in the AFC, for example, Lamar Jackson is one that should be in that conversation, but he hasn't proven to be there yet. Joe Burrow, despite getting to the Super Bowl, eh, we're not going to be there yet. What people have liked to compare is the top two for the AFC is, of course, Josh Allen with the Bills because they have this little back-and-forth type of deal where they're trying to be the Tom Brady Ben Roethlisberger, Peyton Manning conglomerate in the AFC where they battle with each other every season. But Josh Allen has come up short in all those battles. It's not like he's won one and can say, well, we're equals. It's been well, Patrick Mahomes doing he's everything. He's beaten him during the regular season. True. The regular season, he's got a couple wins. But postseason, it's all been Patrick Mahomes. And now this Josh Allen last couple of weeks where he's having these red zone turnovers. I understand. Losses, I understand. But let's calm down. Let's calm down. Just a blip what is what you're saying. What, this isn't what, what, we're, what we were saying about Patrick Mahomes last year. What it's was true. Patrick Mahomes doing? Same exact thing. Yep. Turnovers, 
making mistakes, trying to do too much, trying to make chicken salad out of chicken shit, throwing the ball where he shouldn't, into double coverage, not taking what the defense gives him. Oh, the most terms. Oh, the most bad. bad, bad. Same, thing, same thing about Josh Allen. Patrick Mahomes back on top. Bottom line is, okay, Mahomes didn't go to the Super Bowl last year, and uh, Josh Allen didn't go to the Super Bowl last year either. So you know, what you have to realize is this stuff is fleeting. You know, two weeks to not make a season. Guys go, you know, guys go into little slumps. You know, it happens in all sports. Guys go into shooting slumps, guys go into hitting slumps, and, you know, quarterbacks go into a little bit of slumps. He's making some bad decisions. He's been sloppy with the ball. He'll be better. He's too good not to. My concern about the Bills is always the same, their inability to run the football in important spots. He's their leading rusher. In big Al, games. Josh Allen. Yes. <laughs> you can't have that be the case. You're not the Ravens. That's not a good thing. And the difference between the Bills and the Ravens is that no Lamar Jackson can't throw it like Josh Allen, but the, the Bills, excuse me, the Ravens are back to running the ball down people's throats. And there is two reasons for that. Uh, one is clearly the offensive line. Ronnie Stanley is back for the first time in two years. He's healthy. He's not playing every down. They are spotting him and making sure he doesn't get overworked. Uh, kind of a load management thing, I hate to say it, but kind of a load, man, load management thing. And you know, the rookie from Iowa, their second first-round pick, uh, and the linemen they acquired from the Jets have all been stellar. That, along with the return of Gus Edwards and the running backs that they've added this year, um, Dobbins was there for a heartbeat, but he had that knee cleaned out, so he's gone again. But Kenyon Drake has been terrific. Uh, Justice Hill has been pretty good. And Gus the Bus is now going to be back. No, they don't have the big-time receivers, and they lost Bateman, their number one pick of two years ago, uh, for the season with uh, a foot injury. But they are back to Ravens football. And they made the great trade uh, for Smith. Their defense is starting to come together under Mike McDonald. Their rookie from Notre Dame, Kyle Hamilton, the safety, the, uh, the first-round pick, played very well against New Orleans. They are starting to understand the schemes. They are learning each other in the secondary. And I think this defense is only going to get better and better as the season goes on. And they're coming off a bye off a Thursday night, and they play Carolina. And uh, one of the weakest schedules in the NFL for the rest of the season. So, you know, I understand, you know, they're not beating juggernauts. No one has beaten them up, as you know. They had the Dolphins demolished and suddenly couldn't stop them. They beat up the Bills for a half and then couldn't move the ball in the second half. And they gave away after dominating the Giants for three quarters. They literally just gave the Giant game away. So I'm not going to say they could be 9-0, but they certainly should be 8-1. Um Worst case scenario, seven and two. And I think their best football is ahead of them because they are starting to work together as a unit, knowing what they can do on offense and what they can do on defense, where they can dominate both sides of the football on the lines of scrimmage. And that can be scary. Is it Patrick Mahomes style? Of course not. Is it Josh Allen style? Of course not. But if you can play that kind of football, you can dominate both lines of scrimmage 
and you have Lamar Jackson, you have a real chance to go a long way. Bottom line for now, where we stand at this point in the season, there's a lot of fan bases that still have a lot of hope that we didn't expect to have be here right now. And that's exciting for the sport. It's not the same names, the same quarterbacks, the same stars. Aaron Rodgers stinks. Tampa Bay stinks. Tom Brady's 2-0 since his divorce was finalized, actually. So maybe that was what was holding him back, and all this will be smoke and mirrors. <laughs> I mean, you expect him to come out of the NFC South. But in general, if you're a fan base of teams that have been close, you had to get through these juggernaut franchises, there's an opportunity this season, as of now, where there's a lot of hope going around the National Football League. Now, there's been a lot of bad football. You can't trust most of the teams from week to week. There's shocking losses seemingly every week. It's wide you know, open it's, for a lot of divisions. It's And not only is it wide open, it just when you think somebody is ready you know, to be a dominator, you have the Eagles go out on Monday night and uh, get beat at home. Excuse me, sun, on Sunday night, get beat at home by the commanders. And, you know, uh, it, it was no fluke. The commanders ran the ball down their throat. You know, the big, tough Eagle defense. So, you know, the one thing that seems to remain a constant, which you mentioned early, earlier, is Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs scoring a ton of points against everybody for pretty much the entire season. Yes, some of the games are done, you know, they're in the high 20s. They're not lighting everybody up for 45, but you still see that. You know, you'll, you'll still see the 45 perform, point, you know, four touchdown performance. You know, by Mahomes, um, depending on how they're going to run their offense, they've they've got the genius of Andy Reid, which is the other thing that we haven't mentioned yet. Andy Reid is the offensive maestro of the National Football League. I don't think anybody else is even can be mentioned in the same breath with him, in terms of designing an offense and designing schemes that best suit whatever his talent is. And he just so happens to have a hell of a lot of talent. The excitement will continue. Will. Getting to college football moving forward as only a couple weeks remain and the top four will have some movement to it. There's no sense sometimes in getting too excited about these weekly college football ratings when everybody has to play each other necessarily. And Al, it's always a pleasure. We'll do it again next week. Can't wait, folks. Once again, congratulations to my partner, the great John Tiny Lund, who is now happily married to his beautiful bride. We congratulate them. And for he and I, Al Renato, a.k.a. Al from White Plains, Until next week, have a great sports weekend, everybody. We'll be back 8 p.m. Eastern time here on Sports Radio America. You can listen at sportsradioamerica.com and interact with the show there as well or find us on the TuneIn app by searching for Sports Radio America. You can also follow John Lund under the same handle on Twitter at London Bridge. Thanks again for listening.